North Korean hackers use a sophisticated version of social engineering to dupe cybersecurity researchers. We discuss that next on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. Welcome to the Cyber24 Podcast, the weekly pod dedicated to helping business and governmental leaders better understand the often intimidating topic of cybersecurity so you can make better decisions for your organization. We also look at interesting cybersecurity stories in the news and help make sense of them and see what lessons you can take from the cybersecurity incidents other organizations experience. That's what we're doing today, by the way. I'm Marty Carpenter. I work in strategic communication, public affairs, and general problem solving. I'm joined today by our panel of cybersecurity experts. Dan Schuyler from Valcom and Paul Whittier from AdLumen. Gentlemen, thanks. Uh, thanks for being here, as always. Hey, thanks, Marty. Good to thanks, be on. Marty. Yep, absolutely. All right, our topic this week, social engineering. Uh, according to a report published in a publication I had not run across before called The Conversation, kind of a cool name, uh, and written by an author, uh, Paolo Shakirian, uh, he wrote, North Korean hackers have staged an audacious attack targeting cybersecurity researchers, many of whom work to counter hackers from places like North Korea, Russia, China, and Iran. The attack involves sophisticated efforts to deceive specific people, which raises the level of social engineering or phishing attacks and enters the realm of spy tradecraft. Okay, so here's basically what happened. The hackers used fake social media accounts on platforms, including Twitter. They posed as ethical hackers and made contacts with security researchers. And then they offered to collaborate on research. And it was seems like sort of a hook, line, and sinker from there. <laughs> the social media accounts that they posted included content about cybersecurity and faked videos purporting to show new cybersecurity vulnerabilities. The hackers enticed the researchers to click links to shared code projects, uh, repositories of software related to cybersecurity research that contained malicious code designed to give the hackers access to the researchers' computers. And then several cybersecurity researchers came out and reported that they, in fact, had been duped by the hackers. So, guys, I'll just start there and start with just reactions. Dan, as you read through this story, what was your initial reaction? And then we'll come to Paul. So it was both uh, unique, but um, not new. And when I say not new, uh, social engineering hacking has taken this approach uh, before really preying on the vulnerabilities of the human psyche with regards to a topic that you're generally interested in. And another area, uh, another area is fundraising. You hear of, of fundraisers, people that are in the fundraising business get hit all the time by other people who say, you know what, I've got a real interest in helping you with this fundraising event. This is what I do. Uh, lots of content links, and then of course they get hit with social. They get hit with a malicious link or or what have you. So, this is a, a clearly a unique approach to uh, a, an old attack method being used by hackers with regards to social engineering. But I think this speaks to the how vulnerable people are in general, and how easy it can be to get deceived, even when you're in the security space. Mm -hmm. Paul, what about you? What was your reaction? <laughs> I can just picture the IT guys reading this article laughing. Oh, another IDT 10 error, another loose nut behind the keyboard until it's them, right? Because what's happened is all these guys that are doing research, these are skilled cybersecurity people that know what they're doing and they got duped. That just shows you the sophistication of the phishing attack and how effective it is. 
and, and any, any company, right? They'll do the research. They'll put up the socials. They'll do whatever they need to, to get into your network, man, that's pretty pretty frightening, but I would imagine some of these latest breaches like the solar winds or whatnot, those guys had some pretty good intel. It would not surprise me that there was some sophisticated spying or espionage going on to get into networks they shouldn't, you know, to be able to dump, you know, code into somebody else's code. There's some sophistication going on there. I'm going to bet a very good chance that it was some good social engineering, getting into their accounts, pretending like they don't exist inside the network. Yeah. I mean, to me, it was interesting because we talk so often about you're only as strong as your weakest link. And in this case, we went after, or they went after who should be some of the strongest links, but maybe that's a little bit of the wrong way to think about it because it's not like they necessarily targeted these individuals and that, that they should be better than this. They didn't target them because of like their coding skills. They just targeted them in the same way you would target it. They, they sort of picked what's most human about these guys and said, hey, they're as yeah. vulnerable there as anybody else who doesn't know anything about cybersecurity. So, you know, what, what is it really that's more surprising, the tactic that they used or just the fact that it worked? I, I'm not sure. I, I love your thoughts on it, though. I think that it's not a surprise at all that it worked because they, they knew what they were doing. Right. And maybe they've tried other, uh, you know, who knows what shenanigans they pulled to try to do this before. But then all of a sudden the researchers like, oh, boy, I got hit. Then it becomes very real. You know, how many times is this happening that we don't know? That That's the other. That's the part I'll pose is what about these guys that are posing as something that they're not and we're letting them in and trusting them? You know, it's like someone coming to your door and saying that they're you know, someone you trust, you know, you're maybe you're even expecting a call from the plumber and plumber shows up and you just let them in and it's not really a plumber, right? It's like that whole thing or, you know, back to the 007 days when, you know, he's trying to go, you know, the spying and then all of a sudden this gorgeous girl comes up. Well, she's a spy. Of course she's a spy, but you don't know that. (laughs) This is kind of like one of those. It's like, North Korea doesn't want to pose as a North Korean. They want to pose as, "Hey, I'm one of you guys. I'm I'm an eth- I'm an ethical hacker. Let's let's collaborate. What what cool toys do you have? <laughs> What's happening, fellow kids? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then those guys, you know, they're going to geek out on it all over. Like, hey, yeah, I love to talk about my stuff. Let me just let it go. <laughs> yeah. Find the topic they want to talk about. This is a great example of the power of social engineering and that really nobody is immune. Uh, if a, if a hacker wants to compromise somebody, they, they will find a way through social engineering. Yeah. And you know, we've talked a lot about sort of how you can train your team to be on the lookout for this. And I think we've even had the discussion that that's part of the reason that you have to sort of not only have training, but have it regularly so that people don't let their guard down. Because again, we're talking about a group of, of cybersecurity researchers, people who should be thinking about this all the time and it should be top of mind and they still can get duped that, you know, I, I guess I would say mm-hmm. for the audience, boy, that that's the hammering home again. You got to train your team and you got to keep them vigilant by having that training be regular, keeping it top of mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I don't. I don't even know if training would have helped necessarily because they they looked so real. Um, but you do have to be suspicious of every every attempt, every reach out. Uh, unless I'm seeing Dan on the phone, video like this, 
I don't know if it's Dan on an email or maybe it's his LinkedIn profile. Maybe it's Dan or some guy that just took Dan's picture. I don't know. It's actually yeah. a deep fake of Anthony and he's hiding <laughs> the Australian accent really well so far. Well, it's actually a, we like to say it's a British accent. He's not here, so it's not even fun. <laughs> <laughs> just to mess with him a little bit. Uh, yeah. Clearly, uh, the one of the, the uh, folks that was uh, targeted, uh, I think it was, I'm looking... Rich in Seattle, um, he launched or or uh, executed the um, the executable in a virtual machine, and was able to isolate the damage just to his virtual machine. Normal everyday employees don't have the luxury of opening their documents in a virtual machine, so clearly he had an advantage, but he still got duped and uh, was uh, vulnerable to this type of attack. So it's interesting. Um, this is a very interesting, uh, unique and creative attack for sure. Yeah. Paul, you had mentioned something just a minute ago that struck me as interesting, mostly because I wasn't sure that I understood it. So maybe you can <laughs> expand on it a little bit. Something about the code that was used in this that was put inside some other code. Oh, there's yeah. there, there's a there's a technique called code caving. So you know where a hacker will get into another legitimate software put their malicious malware inside of it and deliver it. It's like a Trojan horse inside of your own software, right? Your update. The Orion um, attack happened very much like that, the SolarWinds attack, right? They, they, they put it inside of an update. So if you updated that poisoned update, you got hit, like you got hit. That's a, that's a common tactic uh, called code caving, where they go in and they just inject that malicious code. And if you didn't know any better, then you get infected and you would trust that. In fact, you probably whitelisted everything from SolarWinds to come in and say, hey, it's trusted. That's how sophisticated all this gets because the second you say, hey, you're safe and you're safe forever is where we run into problems. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts from this uh, this story? This won't be the last of these type of stories. And it'll be, I, I mean, I. it's unfortunate that these are going to continue to happen, but the creativity, as, as Paul mentioned, um, just, just continues to change. And for them to target a group of people who are basically uh, IT folks, is is an interesting uh, and creative attack, and apparently it was very successful. You know, Tim Evans, he's one of the founders of AdLumen. He was a colonel in a hack, for a hacking squadron, so he knows what it's like to go after these adversaries. I'm just wondering when legislation is going to allow more of us, like the good, the good the good ethical people to go out and, and stop some of these guys in North Korea. We're not going to drop a nuclear bomb on them, but you know, Tim will often say, like, we could have deleted all their data, but there's no way the government's going to let us do that kind of stuff, right? We're bound by these rules where these hackers, they have no rules. Like, they have no rules, and they can do whatever they want, and they can try whatever they want without, with very little consequence, really. I mean, he had this hacker or this attack group from North Korea, they had little retribution for what they did or what they ever do. Well, we'll post a link to the story on our website at Cyber24 US so everyone can get on there and uh, read the entire thing. But really good insight from both of you on that. Hey, time for us to take a break. But first, a reminder that Cyber24 is presented each week by our friends at Valcom. 
Balcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and services provider with a drive for getting IT right from ironclad security to computing and beyond. Balcom's 35 plus years means they have the experience and the expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. Back with more on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Balcom right after this. Don't you wish your kid's soccer team could have 12 goalies instead of one? Blocking malware, exploits, and ransomware is just like blocking a soccer ball. Sophos's Intercept X employs a comprehensive defense in-depth approach to endpoint protection rather than simply relying on one primary security technique. It's 12 goalies instead of one. Ranked number one in malware protection, exploit protection, security effectiveness, and total cost of ownership. Valcom and InterceptX will protect your most vital information. So get some more goalies. Visit vlcmtech.com slash intercept dash X. That's vlcmtech.com slash intercept dash X. Do you ever wonder what you would do with $12 billion? Well, that's the amount of money that business email compromising has cost businesses in just the last five years. Barracuda Sentinel detects threats that traditional email security systems can't. It integrates directly with Microsoft Office 365 APIs to detect attacks coming from both internal and external sources. It uses artificial intelligence to detect signs of malicious intent and deception within every email with virtually no IT administration required. Check out vlcmtech.com slash barracuda-sentinel to find out how you can save your company from a hacker's $12 billion business. That's vlcmtech.com slash barracuda-sentinel, B-A-R-R-A-C-U-D-A hyphen S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L for more information. Check it out today. Welcome back to the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. We continue our discussion with Dan Schuyler from Valcom and Paul Whittier from AdLumen. Uh, guys, uh, moving on to a new topic in this segment. Uh, I hope this isn't a surprise to either of you, or you may have to run out right after the show and uh, correct the situation. But Valentine's Day is upon us this weekend on Sunday. Double checking. Yes, Sunday. Uh, and uh, we got a nice little reminder from CISA the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency uh, set a reminder to all the lovebirds out there this morning. And so maybe one, it reminded everyone to go make sure you don't forget Valentine's Day. And uh, number two, they said this, cyber criminals promised the reward of romance after adopting an alias to appear as a potential partner. Once your heart is hooked on hope, they turn the tables. The scammer with the elusive identity will ask for money, making promises of phony matrimony as they finagle funds from you as a fake fiance. So first of all, let me just say from a communication standpoint, this has to be the most fun email that I've ever received from CISA. Usually it's just, hey, Apple's got a new update to their security or there's an update to Chrome or the North Koreans are doing this. So like someone, this was like their chance to shine as a writer. And I just want to recognize that for our friends at CISA. Um, so they also went on to say, if you don't know who you're doting on when you're dating, be cautious with your cash and keep it. So they very much uh, <laughs> not only love their Valentines, but they love their alliteration as well. Um, I know all of us are set with our respective significant others on this show, uh, but a good word of warning. So uh, any word of warning or anything you want to add to that uh, counsel from CISA as people deal with potential scams with a holiday coming up? It's just terrible that they're taking advantage of love. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> They've even ruined love. <laughs> How dare they? Don't mess with Valentine's Day, right? Um, but I, I mean, th- you do have to be careful because at this time of year, I guess your inbox will start to fill up with, um, you know, anything from your credit, what may look like your credit card company uh, or, you know, any number of places where you've purchased something in the past to say, hey, Valentine's special is coming up. And the the nice piece of advice that I've picked up from our time together on this show over the years is to not click in the email, but to just go find, go, go type in the website on your own. And uh, that'll probably save you a whole lot of heartache, shall we say, in this case. Um, so is that a good place to start? If people do that, will that at least eliminate the potential for so many problems? That will definitely reduce it. And we always seem to see a huge influx in phishing type of emails around the holidays, taking advantage of the different uh, holidays. And Valentine's Day appears to be no different. So to your point, Marty, uh, when in doubt, go directly to the website. Don't click on the link. That's your best course of action. Better safe than sorry. Now, I will say these could be platform driven too, right? Because you could go to the dating platform and someone poses as someone that they're not, kind of like the one we did before. Uh, this reminds me of my one of my favorite episodes of Malcolm in the Middle, when Francis wants a, a, a plane ticket back home and Craig tells him how to do that. He says, just pose as a 14-year-old girl and you'll meet him in Tampa. And, you know, he's walking off the airplane and he sees the guy holding the sign for some girl's name and he walks by and he says, thank you because he just paid for his flight to Tampa. <laughs> so, you know, this this trick's been going on for a while, but, you know, even here in Utah, we had the case where, um, I can't remember her name and I apologize, but the girl that was taken advantage of and, and, and her life was lost when she fell for, you know, one of the social engineering tricks and he took her back to his house and, and, and ended her life, you know, so these things can have way serious consequences, right? Um, beyond just losing your money. I think what we learned here in Utah is someone lost their life because of someone taking advantage of them on a social media platform. Yeah. Use Definitely the, worth a word of caution. Use the search engines to your advantage. So to Paul's point, you know, if you're on one of these, online dating sites, use the search engines to your advantage to check out the potential person that you may be meeting or want to meet in person uh, to see if they're credible, see if they have any history online and uh, give yourself some assurances that you're not meeting somebody who's fake and and has um, malicious intent. So you're on a website searching for love, Use, use the internet to uh, do your own investigation as well. Solid advice. And it goes double for our cybersecurity research friends. You just never know <laughs> who right. might be a North Korean with bad intent. Uh, <laughs> great stuff, guys. Hey, let's wrap up the show this week with everybody's favorite segment. What's cool this week, a uh, weekly break at each, uh, the end of each show to outline something that strikes us as cool. It might be cybersecurity related or not. Everybody looks prepared and ready to go. So Dan, let's start with you this week. I'll ask you, What's cool this week? What's it's what's interesting this week or, or uh, interesting news? Uh, Tesla buys one point five billion dollars in Bitcoin um, on the heels of Visa saying that they are seriously looking at accepting Bitcoin for 
payments and investigating how to incorporate that into their system. So I, I think this, this news, uh, for lack of a better word, maybe adds some potential validation to the future of Bitcoin, or I should say cryptocurrency, um, because of all the advantage, advantages cryptocurrency provides decentralized, uh, uses the blockchain for security. So it'll be interesting to see if more Fortune 500 companies start to investigate incorporating Bitcoin um, into their uh, business model. And it'll be interesting to see if other companies uh, decide to invest large sums of money like Tesla just did recently. It seems like there's a slow drumbeat to all these things, right? Like electric vehicles, they've been saying for years, those will become the norm. And it, it just keeps growing louder and louder, that drumbeat, and becoming more of a reality. And you feel very similar when it comes to cryptocurrency that used to just kind of be this thing that nobody really understood. And today it's now this thing nobody understands, but at least they've heard of. And at some point in the future, who knows what will come from it. So you're right. I think that things become more and more legitimate, but a lot of times in many instances, it takes time for that to kind of settle in with the public. So very cool. Very cool. And I would just add, it's still very speculative, but it's interesting to see the mainstream uh, media coverage and these these Fortune 500 companies that are taking an interest in it. And it'll be interesting, like you said, to see where that drumbeat goes. Very cool. All right, Paul, we'll turn to you and I'll ask what's cool this week. Well, unfortunately, last time mine was about cookies and, and, and this time... <laughs> Not just cookies, you know, cookies in Orlando. Cookies right? in so, Orlando. Gideon's, if you get to go to Florida, <laughs> don't forget Gideon's. Uh, I'll give them a little advertisement. They get a little airtime. That's like a free Subway sandwich. You should go right. to Florida and get a Gideon's cookie. Unfortunately, uh, the pandemic's been tough on my neck sitting around too much. So I, this, uh, la- since our last episode, I think I got a, a, a standing desk and a treadmill to go underneath it. And, and wow, I'm, I'm getting a little more exercise at work. So for me, that's pretty, pretty cool because it's been, it's been tough, right. To do anything, just standing at your desk. I miss going out, but that, that helps at least a little bit to, to sit down stand up right now. I'm on a ball, you know, so I got to mix it up. I guess my ADHD in the office, mix it up a little bit. Don't sit in one position. You'll, you'll get sore. <laughs> The ability now to I, move around is great when you're working. Now I know why you look like a bobblehead, Paul. You're, <laughs> you're sitting on a ball. Yeah, I really am. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is the health edition of this particular podcast. I'm standing. Paul's on a medicine ball, and uh, uh, Dan's standing. It looks like. Yep, yeah, Dan's standing up. Yeah. All right. Don't uh, forget the cookies, though. Oh, the cookies are too. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, all right. Uh, I'll ask myself what's cool this week. Uh, not something very techy, not Bitcoin, not uh, exercise at the desk. I'm just going to put a plug in for holiday weekends. I love them. Three day weeks. I know that it means I'm just delaying the pain until next week when it's five days of work crammed in to four days from Tuesday to Friday. You don't ever actually escape the work. You just condense it, but I'm going to try not to think about that until late on Monday night and maybe even get done a little bit early on Friday so that it's a little bit longer than just a three-day weekend. But holiday weekends, that's what's cool this week, a little extra time off. And for those of us who are following the Utah legislative session and working in uh, as part of that process, President's Day is the best because the session gets... Uh, hectic and weird after President's Day, it's nice to have a little bit of a pause to just say, 
All right, we're going to gear up for the last uh, home stretch as we pass the midway point in the 45-day session. So for me, holiday weekends. That's what's cool this week. Gotta love holiday weekends. Yeah. Guys, thanks so much for your time and your expertise. As always, we appreciate you being here. As we wrap up for this episode, I want to thank our sponsors at Valcom. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and more productive. Check them out at vlcm.com to learn more about Valcom's end-to-end solutions, the technology vendors they partner with, and more. That's vlcm.com. I also want to thank our supporting partners, the Utah Department of Technology Services, the Kem C. Gardner Policy Institute at the University of Utah, Secuvant, the Utah Attorney General's Office, and the Utah Department of Public Safety. Hey, a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at Cyber24 underscore, or you can follow us on Facebook as well. Hit us up in either place. Let us know what you think, or if you have a topic you'd like to, to discuss on an upcoming show. And of course, you can also rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We love five-star ratings. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week and stay safe online.